As you are turning in your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 11, let me say thank you once again for allowing me to be here in your midst. It is good to see a goodly number continuing and the church, as it were, of Jesus Christ staying together as you await the news of a pastor. Pray that God is preparing uh, that man and that you will be blessed. As you turn to Hebrews chapter 11, uh, we will be reading from verses 17 through 31, and I'm quite aware that we're just breaking into a a whole chapter that is often called the Heroes of Faith chapter, and it's really impossible to do justice to Hebrews chapter 11 in one message. So I'm going to ask that you keep your Bibles open even uh, during the message. I'll be referring to a few other items, but we'll break into the middle, as it were, of Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 17 and reading through verse 31. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, Through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead, from which, figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. By faith, Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when Dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over his head of his staff, over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the exodus of the Israelites and gave directions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as if on dry ground, on dry land. But the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith, Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. This is God's word. May the Lord bless the reading of it and as well as the exposition of it. Let's pray and ask God for that blessing. We thank you, our gracious Father, for 
These words, as we read them from Hebrews chapter 11, we do ask of you that you will open them to us and that we may indeed benefit from them uh, by the work of your spirit. We ask this for the sake of the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Certainly, as we have read these words and heard them, we can understand that the writer of Hebrews wanted to stress for the Hebrew Christians as well as for us that to be a Christian is to walk by faith. If you were to be asked, what does Hebrews chapter 11 stress? I believe that every one of us would be able to say it would be by faith. And that would be true. Now, I've read these verses uh, for us because I think that there is another theme that we often miss. Sometimes we could even say that uh, we might sanitize Hebrews chapter 11. We might actually glorify Hebrews chapter 11 because we stress that these heroes of faith walked by faith. And if we stop at that, I think we will miss some tremendously important lessons. I would like to call to our attention two phrases that those of you who know me well, uh, I have used in ministry throughout the years. This is an ongoing burden in my own heart, and that is that we understand Christianity, we understand faith in Christ to be what it genuinely is. And there are very often throughout the evangelical Christian church today uh, an expression of Christianity that I would call it one of two things. So I'd ask you to remember these two phrases. The first one would be cotton candy Christianity. That is, it's mighty sweet, but it's hardly worth anything by way of a good diet. It doesn't grow strong Christians who are able to run a race. When cotton Christian candy Christianity has been embraced, one of the first times trials comes in the life of these professing Christians, they are the first to be offended with God, and they are the first to disappear out of the church. Sadly so. Another expression that I think is worth hearing, and that is fairy tale Christianity. Fairy tale Christianity looks something like this, and they lived happily ever after. Now, it's true. There are tremendous benefits in embracing Christ by faith. But to say and to spout out to people who are wanting to hear these things, to say that 
you will live happily ever after if you come to faith in Christ is to misrepresent the truth. So I'm bringing these two phrases before us here this morning, and I'm not going to ask you to to remember them, to write them down, to think of them, because they're going to come into play even as we look at these uh, verses here this morning. If you look at the first 16 verses of this chapter and you glance over them, which we're not going to read, but you glance over them, you will see that there are other saints that are brought to our attention. From verse 17 through 31, there are some identical names that are brought forward. The writer of Hebrews wants us to get the point. But you have uh, Abel, you have Abraham, you have Sarah, you have Noah, And then, at the closing of verse 16, you have these words, Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared for them a city. And lo and behold, the writer of Hebrews then comes and continues on with these saints. Now, he's already said that if we are Christians... If these saints who went on before were Christians, they, by their very lives, were confessing that they were seeking a city whose builder and maker was God. They were looking for some place that was beyond the life that they were living, and they were embracing by faith Remember how Hebrews chapter 11 begins. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. They were seeing something that went far beyond the natural eye. So we are coming to these verses here uh, this morning. And do you see how that the writer of Hebrews has more on his mind than simply and I'm not trying to depreciate the walk by faith, but he has more on his mind than walking by faith. Notice how the writer of Hebrews begins in verse uh, 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, when he was tried. And then he goes on uh, about Isaac. Now, don't imagine for a moment that it was a simple thing for Abraham to go up the mountain and to know that he was to sacrifice his son, Isaac, on an altar. Don't think for a moment that it was an easy thing for Abraham to hear from Isaac as they're walking together up the mountain. When Isaac said, Father, here's the wood, but... Where's the sacrifice? Don't think for a moment that it was an easy thing for Abraham, though he was walking by faith, to know that God had ordained that he was to strap Isaac to the altar and to slay his son as a sacrifice. 
Don't think it was an easy thing. Then when Isaac invoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau, when he knew what had taken place between Jacob and Esau in the switching of the blessing, the giving away of the birthright, and the fooling that had taken place when Isaac could no longer see. Don't think it was an easy thing then when Jacob gave his blessings to each of the sons of Isaac, of, of the sons of Joseph and the sons of Joseph all had different personalities and different histories. Don't think it was an easy thing for Joseph as he lay dying and he makes mention of his end and where his bones were to be buried. He hadn't seen all that God had promised. Don't think it was an easy thing for Moses' parents to hide Moses when Pharaoh had deemed that the children were to be killed. They saw that there was something special about Moses, to be sure. But let's get a grip on the passion of the writer of Hebrews to express what a walk of faith is and what it does, and what it calls for. Let's not sanitize. Let's not bring Hebrews chapter 11 into a fantasy world. Let's remember that Moses, as he refuses to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, to be taken into the house of Pharaoh and to not be tempted by all that was taking place, all of the grandeur, all of the riches. He walked by faith. But let's not think that it was an easy thing to have all of this around him and still to press on in the walk of faith. Don't think that it was an easy thing for the Israelites as they were called to kill the firstborn, the, old, the, the, the animal, so that their firstborn would not die. Don't think it was an easy thing when they saw that the Egyptians, when they lost their firstborn, what a turmoil it must have been for all of the Egyptians. They weren't giddy about what had taken place. Don't think it was an easy thing then for the Israelites to stand before the Red Sea. And they cry out to Moses, Moses, what are we going to do? It's not an easy thing to walk by faith. The same could be said about the Israelites going around the walls of Jericho for seven days. Not knowing really what lay ahead. Then you have Rahab, the prostitute. And she's got spies hiding up on the roof. And there's guards that come looking for the spies. She tells them they're, they're not here. They're gone. Everyone's 
What's the writer of Hebrews thinking? What's he thinking when he's writing to these Hebrew Christians? What can you and I learn from these verses? And it's always important to keep in context, to keep in mind the context. So here's what's going on. The Hebrew Christians were about to face serious persecution. The Hebrew Christians were about to face death. And the Hebrew Christians were beginning to falter. They were beginning to shake in their boots. And the writer of Hebrews, wherever you look throughout the whole book, it's an encouragement to press on in the faith in spite of what you see around you. Because what you see around you isn't reality in one sense. So keep it in mind. Keep in mind what's going on in the world. Keep in mind for you and me what's going on in the world as we see this degradation, this going downhill of our own culture, as we see what's going on throughout the world and how that Christians are being persecuted more now than ever before in all of history and how more Christians are being killed for the sake of the name of Jesus. And how we're seeing in our own culture, before our very eyes, day by day, that we are living in a post-Christian era. Now, we always have to keep in mind that Jesus Christ is king. That Jesus Christ uttered the words on the cross, it is finished. And he rose from the grave and he's ascended up into heaven. And he said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll be with you to the end of the age. But in doing so, we must understand the nature of the Christian life. We have to have a dose of reality. The writer of Hebrews as he records the whole book of Hebrews, and for us this morning uh, as well, he reminds us of the saints that have gone on before so that we will not have a mere fantasy of the Christian life. We will not be embracing what I've called cotton, Christian, uh, cotton candy Christianity. We will not embrace fairy tale Christianity. He's preparing them, as you would. He's preparing them for what lies ahead by looking at the saints who have gone, gone in the past. There's nothing like being prepared for what's coming. Now, that's a, that's a small example. But about 30 years ago, there's a young lady in the audience, even here. Uh, most of you know her as uh, Esther. Uh, suffered a, a, a pretty substantial cut on her forehead. It was obviously the day before super glue, and she had to have stitches, a number of them. And uh, mom decided it was better if she stayed home. So I got to take her to the hospital, and uh, I had gotten cut a number of times myself and had gotten stitches, and I kind of figured I knew what was coming. 
So on the way to the hospital, I explained as best I could uh, what was coming for her. And I said, when the doctor goes in with his needle and he deadens that, this is what it's going to feel like. And I still remember the day very well. I actually reached over, she's four years old, and I reached over and I pinched her. Saying, that's what it's going to feel like. And when that needle goes in, this is kind of what it's going to feel like as they sew you up and they fix your, fix your cut for you. So uh, the doctor comes in and the nurses are there. A couple of them were there. And I, I still remember one of the nurses saying, uh, do we need to restrain her? I said, no, she'll be okay. Just hang on to the, the rails that are on the table. She'll, she'll be fine. So the attending nurses, they were really quite amazed that she never flinched, she never whimpered, she never shed a tear. And uh, after they commented afterwards about her behavior, I simply told them that I had prepared her as best I could for this moment while we were on the way to the hospital. Oh, that's a small thing. That's a small thing. But you get the picture. This is what the writer of Hebrews is doing for the Hebrew Christians. He's saying, I want you and me to be prepared for the race of faith. I want you to understand how our forefathers, how those who went before, who were true Christians, how they proceeded on in the faith. So here's what we need to learn, I believe, from these particular verses. I want you to turn uh, with me to Romans chapter 8. I won't spend a whole lot of time there, but I want you to turn to Romans chapter 8. To uh, verse 29. I'll start at 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn, firstborn among many brother, brothers, brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. You see, dear ones, what God has determined to do when we walk by faith is he is determined to conform us to the image of his Son. God is going to give us a whole house makeover. God is going to have his way with us. And he is determined to conform us to the image of his son. It's that simple. The second thing that we have to learn from this particular passage, as well as other verses throughout uh, the scriptures, but throughout Hebrews chapter 11, and that is that trials and persecution in the Christian life are normal. Jesus said to his own disciples in John chapter 16, I have said these things to you 
that in me you may have peace. Now, not in your stuff you might have peace, but that in me you might have peace. In the world you will, not you might, but in the world you will have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. So you see what God is doing in his work in our lives is as we undergo these trials, these tribulations, these struggles, he is causing us to look away from these struggles and he's calling us to look to himself. Because our peace is not to be in our stuff, not in our things, not in this life, but in him. And he has overcome the world. There's a number of trials that the Lord brings to to his people. We can only name uh, a few of them. It can be sickness. It can be wealth. It can be poverty. It can be divorce. It can be cancer, death of a child, death of a spouse, a friend, loss of a job, loss of friendship, wayward child or children. There's no end to what God has in his armory to bring about the conformity of Jesus to his children. And rather than thinking that trials in the Christian life are proof that God has forsaken us, it is actually the opposite. That God cares so much for his people that he will do whatever is necessary to conform us to the image of his son. And those trials come to us out of a sovereign father who loves his children and they're intended for our good. I would just remind us of James chapter 1. James chapter 1, count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. So just think about it for a second. When does your walk of faith get the strongest? When you are blessed beyond measure and everything is going just fine? Or when you undergo trials? We we know the answers to that. It's when we go through difficult times. Now, we have to be aware that of what God is doing. The Christian life is one of joy that does have joy. We do have joy. We are completely forgiven. We stand in Christ. Who can bring anything against God's elect? We're aware of that. But let's get a grip on what the Christian life is and what God is doing in our lives. You see, third, a third thing that we can learn from this particular passage is, is that God is allowing these trials to root out sin out of our, out of our lives. It, like I said earlier, it's a whole house makeover. And the fourth thing that these verses teach us is is that we learn to pray. And we learn to live closer to our Father. And 
and, and we need reminders. We need reminders when things are going very well for us. That God brings us into difficult situations to once again remind us our hope is not in ourselves and in our things, but our hope is in our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, and that we have found ourselves among the people of God and we are looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. So this really brings us to introspection, doesn't it? We should be asking ourselves the question, what and who are we living for? Are we living for ourselves? Are we living for our stuff? If we are, we need to hear the words, what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? It's a rhetorical question. We lose everything. And so I should bring you to the words of Jesus. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Dear ones, if you're living for Christ under any and all circumstances, I urge you to continue, to continue to walk the walk of faith and recognize that throughout life, come these trials for a very specific purpose that come to us by our Heavenly Father intended to bring us closer to himself. You see, we are to look to Jesus who is the author and the finisher or the perfecter of our faith. And we're called by his grace to hold on to the very words that Jesus gave his disciples in John chapter 14 when he said, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions or many rooms. If this were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will take you to myself that where I am, you may be also. And you see, this, these things that we experience in our lives that drive us to our Father, that drive us to deeper faith in Jesus Christ, to get us to rejoice in what Christ has accomplished on the cross on our behalf, are intended to cause us to see more and more this place is not our home. However young we are, there's an age-appropriate faith that says and recognizes, I know, I know that I'm not here forever. And the older that we get, we realize this place is not my home. And that's why we eagerly look for the Lord Jesus Christ. So dear ones, I want to leave you with a word of encouragement here this morning. You may think that this is not encouragement, but believe me, it is encouragement. Because we all know that life is not as it ought to be. And the writer of Hebrews, God himself comes to us and he says, take a look at the saints who went before. They all walked the life of faith. They all went on before. They all pressed on. 
And I want you to see that I took them to be with myself. And they are now enjoying what they hadn't received on this earth. And they're awaiting the final glorification. They're awaiting the final installation, as it were, when our souls will be reunited with our bodies and then everything will be as it was intended to be. So take these words of encouragement and by faith live the life that God has called us to live as we live out the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. May God add his blessing to his word.